You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. I hope this finds all of you safe and well, wherever you are in these difficult and very strange times. My name is Peter Maravellis, and on behalf of City Lights Booksellers, I'd like to welcome you to City Lights Live, the virtual reading series that continues in the footsteps of our in-store calendar during the shelter in place. We continue to celebrate the works of authors we know and love with readings, discussions, and forums throughout the month of September and into the fall. We are happy to announce that City Lights has finally reopened its doors to the public, Uh, Of course, following San Francisco uh, Health Department guidelines, we aim to make our reopening as safe as possible for everyone. So please do come and visit us. You'll once again be able to browse our stacks. Our business hours are seven days a week from 12 noon to 8 p.m. We have worked very hard to transform the store. The entrance, of course, is right now on the Broadway side of the building, something to take note of at 271 Columbus. The original entrance is now an exit only. Uh, We do encourage everyone, please do wear masks while visiting. Uh, We're trying to keep things safe for everyone. So as many of you know, City Lights is a publishing house as well as a bookstore. We continue to publish in the grand tradition of Lawrence Ferlinghetti's seminal Pocket Poets series poetry, also uh, literature and translation of nonfiction books informed by a progressive political outlook. Uh, We have new titles from David Barsamian, Dan Cox, the 21st Poet Laureate of the United States, Juan Felipe Herrera, uh, and new poetry from Uchi Naduka and Sophia Dahlin. So if you would like to learn more about the books that we publish, as well as all of our up and coming events, please visit us at our website, www.citylights.com. Uh, you can also keep up on our activities via social media. We have a presence on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I mean, you can also subscribe to our newsletter and receive weekly updates on our new City Lights releases, as well as up and coming events. So. Today's event is being brought to you by City Lights and our friends over at the Red Poppy Art House, a neighborhood arts and cultural center located in San Francisco's Mission District. Uh, We're happy to be celebrating the launch of a wonderful new collection of poetry titled Resistencia, Poems of Protest and Revolution, published by Tin House Books and edited by Mark Eisner and Tina Escaja. Uh, which is really an extraordinary collection that's firmly rooted in a strong tradition of protest poetry. Uh, We're delighted to have both Mark Eisner and Tina Escajo here with us this afternoon. They're going to be joined by an all-star cast of poets, which includes Carolina de Robertis, Romina Funes, Jack Hirschman, Rebecca Lane, and Jessica Powell. Uh, This is something of a homecoming uh, because City Lights uh, Books published The Essential Neruda, a bilingual collection of Neruda's most essential works, and uh, Mark Eisner conceived and edited that project. So it's, it's really nice to have Mark in our orbit once again. So to get the afternoon started, I'd like to welcome now Elaine Katzenberger, the director of City Lights Publishers, uh, Booksellers and Publishers, and the publisher of City Lights Books, to say a few opening words. Hi, everybody. Um... I'm Elaine at City Lights, and I am actually here at City Lights in my office above the bookstore. And uh, it's really, um, really nice to be here. Actually, I was a little nervous about uh, doing an event today. It's been a really tough time in California. And, uh, but I see here, there's somebody here from Portland, and I think you're having a tougher time than we are in San Francisco right now. Um, It's beautiful. 
actually to see where everybody is here from and it's really moving and it's it's affirming um and i think we all need that at this time and that's what this book is about to give you a little bit of background uh, about our host this evening mark eisner is a translator editor filmmaker and poet in 2004 he was involved in the early stages of red poppy art house just as city lights was publishing the essential neruda as I mentioned earlier, a uh, book that Mark had conceived and edited. Uh, it was the year Neruda's, uh, Neruda's centennial, as it turned out. And uh, the Red Poppy Art House and City Lights came together for a series of celebrations, including readings by our founder, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and uh, also the premiere of Mark's documentary on Neruda, uh, narrated by Isabel Allende, uh, the film called Pablo Neruda, the People's Poet. So in 2017, City Lights published another project by Mark, the first ever English translation of Neruda's Venture of the Infinite Man, uh, Neruda's long overlooked third book of poetry. Uh, so in 2018, Echo Books published his Neruda, The Biography of a Poet, which went on to become the finalist for the Penn Bograd Weld Prize for Biography. So joining Mark today is fellow co-editor of Resistencia, uh, Tina Escaja. She is a writer, digital artist, and distinguished professor of romance, languages, and gender and women's studies at the University of Vermont. She has published extensively on gender in Latin American and Spanish poetry and technology, and is considered a pioneer in electric, electronic literature. Uh, her collection of poems, um, Manual Destructivista, Destructivist Manual, uh, put out in 2016, translated by Kristen Dykstra, was named a top 10 bilingual read by Latino Poetry Review for uh, 2017. Among other recognitions, she won the 2003 Dulce Maria Loyas Prize, um, Poetry Prize, I should say, for her collection, Saida Libre, later translated by Mark Eisner and published by Fomite Press. She has served in leadership positions in many different organizations. It is really such a great pleasure and honor to have you both with us and our wonderful group of writers and poets Welcome to City Lights Live. Dicen los viejos bardos. No lo olvides, poeta. En cualquier sitio y época en que hagas o en que sufras la historia, siempre estarás echándote algún poema peligroso. Ernesto Padilla, Cuba. The old bard speak. Don't forget it, poet. Whatever the place and time in which you make or suffer history, there will always be a dangerous poem waiting to ambush you. That's the translation by the late, great Mark Strand. And um, we're going to start our program now. That's actually the epigraph to the Resistencia book. Um, everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just, um, Peter kind of uh, talked about some of what I wanted to open with about kind of just how this has become a full circle. And that circle is contained, is now involving so many people, um, especially the people who, you, who are here tonight. Um, I did, it, it all started when I was living in the mission and I met Todd Brown, when he was starting the Red Poppy Art House, I used to do uh, walks around uh, the neighborhood and always went by the Cesar Chavez um, mural behind the elementary school there. And we just kept passing each other and he was just doing his thing. I was walking and we just started talking and 
And that began um, a friendship which continues today. We actually uh, just were collaborating and he's now starting an art house um, basically in Italy. And that was at the same time as Peter was saying that I was starting to do the, um, the Pablo Neruda stuff and City Lights published the Central Neruda. Um, we did this incredible festival at Teatro Arto, Theater Arto, um, that Red Poppy Art House, which we'll talk about a little later um, more, uh, basically sponsored. And um, it's gone on from that. And around um, the same time, um, uh, I think it was after the movie and came out and then Todd introduced me to his friend, Tina Skaha, um, Todd from Vermont. And um, I went out to Vermont, she invited me to you. She's a professor at UVM and she invited me out there. And one of the beautiful things again about Time of the Circle tonight um, and how these things happen and flow um, is that I'll, I'll never forget, um, Todd gave me kind of this folded up um, piece of his art to give to Tina. And kind of without knowing it, I was giving this art, piece of art from Todd to Tina. And now we're all together. Um, uh, Tina will get into this a little more, but then the genesis of the, um, the of the, of, <laughs> yes, it's actually here, um, of this started when we were just talking and um, I don't know exactly how it happened, but Tino teaches, uh, teaches poetry of resistance, classes of poetry resistance, and she can probably tell it better um, about how she came about for this idea of, of that we should do this book. Um, and she's just had this vision. She was the one who really had the vision, um, selected most of the poets, and uh, it's uh, because of this that um, somebody like Julia Alvarez in her introduction, which uh, I would, I would just buy the book just for her, Julia's uh, introduction alone, but there's so much more. Um, but she called it radical inclusiveness. Um, and that's all due to Tina. And that's what makes, what I think has made this book so great. Um, has been the variety. And again, we'll get into that. Um, in 2000, um, 19, the night, the, what the, that's just a year ago. Um, the amazing people at Tin House uh, just really got what we were doing and um, what we were trying to do with some inspiring enthusiasm. And they took on the book of publishing it. And just so many people have been involved um, and generously contributed to this in one way or the other. Um, I've seen so many names, I could, I could just spend this time just shouting out names to thank yous, whether it's people who helped get rights or so many of the contributors who, um, I don't want to say don't, but, but uh, contributed uh, their, their poems or their translations um, to make this happen. It's really kind of a collective cooperative effort. And that, um, you know, just bringing it all together, um, and with Tin House, uh, it's just, um, I'm, I'm very, I, I've always, it's been a dream of my life that I've been published by City Lights. Um, and uh, now to have Tin House part of it, or, or with this, I just couldn't be prouder of the two of them, uh, to be having them as people, um, as publishers, 
and that us as the, the contributors and the editors just feel so proud of having Tin House for this book because both presses, which are independent presses, don't just publish resistance literature. They, they publish a lot of it, but they put their own social actions behind the words that they print, especially this past, uh, these past months after George Floyd's murder. They were not just, um, they, they were actually contrib making contributions to, call, to um, groups and organizations and really making messages that weren't self-serving. And it was, it, it was just, it just all came together. Um, and thank you, Tin House, for those out there. Thank you, Elaine. <laughs> um, So, Tina's going to talk about the origins a little more, but um, uh, one of the things that Julia said in her introduction was that there is a strong, quote, a strong and vibrant tradition in the Americas of the poetry of witness. That should come as no surprise in a hemisphere carved out of violence, wrested from the indigenous, built on the backs of the enslaved, the conquered, the murdered, the raped. We just hope that this book will allow readers to experience um, the vitality of that tradition as well as each poem together. And that's why we concentrate really on a 100 year span. And next, uh, we're gonna kind of start two of the first poems are gonna be by Cesar Vallejo, um, 1922. So basically a hundred years ago um, to, uh, to Rebecca Lane who's you're gonna see in a second right now. Um, and spanning that, uh, you're, we're hoping that you're able to kind of see the lineage um, in, in the tradition. Again, Tina's gonna get into that. And I will get into talking about um, Rebecca and Carolina, who's going to read her translation of Rebecca's song or hip hop rap, um, poetry, uh, Poesy of Venenosa. Um, unfortunately, Rebecca had a, a timing or conflict and couldn't be with us live tonight, but instead she's recorded a video that we're going to play, um, which is just, uh, when you see this, Rebecca, I've said this already, but such uh, that, that she would do this. The song that she's going to play, I just checked today, has on YouTube, uh, has 2,500,000 views. Um, and so that's Rebecca. Um, she was born in 1984 in Guatemala City. And as a teenager, really young, she became involved in various social movements and using exactly what we're doing now, art as a means of political expression. And she eventually found her voice through poetry. And then as she describes herself, a self-defined or as a rap feminist. And um, one thing we're going to start off with is uh, uh, with with her video is that I've asked the, th the three people um, here tonight, uh, Rebecca, right here, there's Kira Galvan, we're here in Mexico City, um, and Romina, Tunis, to talk a little bit about the situations in their respective countries right now with what's going on and how they feel art of resistance or resistencia goes along with it. Um, or fits into this context, into this moment right now in their countries, Mexico, Guatemala, and Argentina. Um, 
I just said a little bit about Rebecca. I'm not, I don't want to really get into the long bios. You can see that in the website or whatever, um, or when you buy the book from City Lights today, uh, all the bios are in the back. Um, but I do want to introduce Carolina, who's going to do follow Rebecca with her. Um, she's going to do her own rap, her own translation, which is the first translation of this song into English. Uh, she's also, while uh, Rebecca does explain her take on what's going on, she's going to be in her chat because Rebecca's saying this in Spanish. So for those who don't um, speak or understand Spanish, Carolina, which is just amazing, is going to try, it's going to do a little um, translation of it um, in the chat. So however you do it so that you can see both the rap or her speaking and then Carolina, um, excuse me, Carolina, uh, doing a little translation for those who uh, don't understand, but we really, really felt that it was important, even though it's a, um, in Spanish and not everybody, that that we hear what she has to say, um, because it is, oh, I'll let her speak for herself. Carolina de Robertis, Carolina, um, <laughs> I did this the last time, last time that uh, I introduced her for, the biography. She, um, I hope that might just be in itself an expression of how much she means to me and how much, how big a heart, how amazing a writer she is. Um, but just as well, just, um, just one of the greatest hearts and biggest hearts and most generous hearts in her writing. Her latest novel, Cantoris, it's Book of Resistance. I don't have the quote right now with uh, that the New York Times says, but. Um, Definitely check it out. And I think we're ready to go to um, Rebecca's video. Hola, mi nombre es Rebecca Lane y es un gusto para mí estar con ustedes en el lanzamiento del libro Resistencia, Poems of Protest and Revolution. Y bueno, yo estoy desde Guatemala y quiero contarles un poco cómo está aquí la situación con el COVID. Realmente, pues desde marzo que se anunciaron los primeros casos que hubo en el país, ha sido muy difícil porque cargamos con años de un sistema eh, de salud que ya estaba desabastecido y que ya estaba en crisis antes de la pandemia. Entonces, esto ha venido como a develar aún más todavía estas desigualdades profundas que tenemos en, en este país, como por ejemplo, eh, la gente que tiene el poder que tiene dinero, pues tiene sus hospitales privados, pero que son inaccesibles para la mayoría de la población y que el sistema de salud público está colapsado, nos está pagando a doctores, enfermeras, a todas las personas que se, que se encargan del área de limpieza, o sea, ha habido una negligencia muy fuerte para con todo... Eh, para todo el, el equipo que la gente necesita, el equipo también de gente que, que está trabajando ahí en términos de salud. Y hace apenas unas semanas, pues, el, el presidente decidió que el país abría, que toda la gente tenía que ir a trabajar y que ya todo estaba como normal, ¿verdad? Y sabemos que fundamentalmente quienes resienten mucho más esto va a ser la gente trabajadora, ¿verdad? Que la mayoría de gente aquí no pudo eh, hacer un espacio de confinamiento en su casa, pues la mayoría de la población en Guatemala vive de la economía informal y vive en pobreza. Entonces la mayoría de gente durante todo este tiempo de pandemia tuvo que buscar eh, y cómo trabajar, cómo abastecerse, cómo estar. Entonces, eh, pues sí, han sido momentos duros y que mmm, lastimosamente no se ven que en... en 
en, en, por lo pronto o en próximos días la situación vaya a mejorar. Eh, aquí realmente se están tomando decisiones en favor de los empresarios y no se está pensando en la salud de la gente. Así que son momentos difíciles, complicados. Y yo creo que pensar la resistencia en estos momentos desde el arte es un poco complicado. Yo por lo menos he pensado, bueno, en estos momentos, ¿de qué me sirve cantar canciones? ¿De qué me sirve escribir? Cuando la gente realmente tiene necesidades tan urgentes y tan difíciles. Pero también eh, durante este confinamiento hemos realizado muchas actividades en línea, muchos talleres de rap, digamos, que quizá en otro momento no hubiera sido posible hacerlos o acercarnos a quienes nos hemos acercado. Hemos estado haciendo muchos conciertos y yo creo que ha sido también como que un momento de, de entender que el arte es fundamental para la vida. Es decir, en este tiempo de confinamiento, en este tiempo de crisis, de pandemia, nos ha acompañado la música, nos han acompañado los libros, nos han acompañado pues toda la gente que, que se dedican al arte. Y es esto eh, pareciera, y, y muchas veces, bueno, en un país como en Guatemala, donde realmente quienes pueden hacer arte, al final somos personas muy privilegiadas, porque eh, todo está condicionado para que no lo hagamos, ¿verdad? Para que no, no trabajemos desde, desde el arte, desde la sensibilización. Ha sido como muy importante precisamente ver que este es un trabajo fundamental, aunque no se reconozca como tal. ¿Qué sería de nosotros, de nosotras en estos momentos, si no tuviéramos estas expresiones que nos acompañen en estos momentos difíciles como humanidad? Entonces yo creo que también ha sido un momento para darnos cuenta que realmente nuestro trabajo es valioso y que lo que tenemos para aportar... Eh, al mundo, a la sensibilidad, a lo que significa eh, y lo que puede contar nuestra historia, también es importante, también es vital y debe ser dignificado, porque también muchas de las personas que nos dedicamos al arte, pues estamos viendo cómo en estos momentos no tenemos, eh, por ejemplo, aquí en, en Guatemala, quienes nos dedicamos al arte, no tenemos cobertura de, por ejemplo, el seguro de salud social, eh, tampoco ganamos suficiente como para estar yendo todo el tiempo a la salud privada, no hay acceso, por ejemplo, a seguros de salud que sean accesibles o que sean específicos con las necesidades de las personas que nos dedicamos al arte. Entonces, yo creo que esto también nos ha hecho eh, ver la necesidad que como sector artístico tenemos de una dignificación de nuestro trabajo, porque lo que hacemos sí es importante. Entonces, voy a compartir con ustedes... Eh, Poesía Venenosa, que es un tema que sale en el libro de Resistencia y que está traducido, eh, por si ustedes no comprenden el español, está la opción de leerlo en inglés y me parece que hoy también van a poder tener la experiencia de escuchar la letra en inglés, así que les voy a compartir esta canción que es de mi disco Poesía Venenosa y dice así. Oh. Lamento mucho no cumplir con sus expectativas Lo que pasa es que soy un poco conflictiva Me motiva la polémica de las artes escénicas Nadie corre el telón y las butacas están llenas Prenden la luz y solo se proyectan sombras Nadie me nombra pero salgo a la penumbra Donde no alumbra el foco rojo del deseo De verme interpretar un personaje que no creo Como disfrutan aplaudiendo Cuando con mi lágrima le doy vida a todo el sufrimiento 
lento Pescar palabras lo traigo de nacimiento Me las trago todas para escupir el sentimiento No me anunciaron en ninguna cartelera Hace unos meses atrás era una muchacha cualquiera Al verme en el espejo el corazón se me hizo piedra y es que mis serpientes se tragaron mucha hiedra venenosa Poesía venenosa Por los poros sudo poesía venenosa Nada tiene sentido si lo digo en el delirio se termina la función, regáleme ramos de venenosa, poesía venenosa, por los poros sudo poesía venenosa, nada tiene sentido si lo digo en el delirio, se termina la función, regáleme ramos de Hoy tengo ganas de cantar incoherencias feminista postmoderna de la eterna primavera. Intento vivir del arte aunque realmente no quiera. Me perdí en el tiempo y me equivoqué de era. No es cualquiera la que se rompe la pierna en las tablas, la que lastima su voz porque la acústica está mala en Guatemala, con el alma astillada. Antes de verme triunfar me tirarán una granada. Para nada agradezco que critiquen mi fachada. No me gusta andar sonriendo porque soy malhumorada. Este hipócrita espectáculo de bajo presupuesto no tiene control moral ni hormonal, por supuesto. Les apuesto que no pagarán por esto. Me criticarán porque no soy lo que quisieron. Querían relajarse, no ir mi conflicto interno. Para soportarme deberán comerse hiedra venenosa. Poesía venenosa. Por los poros sudo poesía venenosa. Nada tiene sentido si lo digo en el delirio. Se termina la función, regala y me ramos de Venenosa, poesía venenosa, por los poros sudo poesía venenosa, nada tiene sentido si lo digo en el delirio, se termina la función, regálenme ramos de venenosa. Poesía venenosa. Desde Guatemala, resistencia, ye, ye. Esto es poesía venenosa. Ah, ah. Venenosa. Poisonous Poetry by Rebecca Lane. Sorry I don't meet your expectations. The thing is, I'm difficult. I cause consternation, motivated by the polemic of the stage. No one pulls the curtains. The show's all the rage. Full house, lights up, a scene in shadows. No one names me, but I'm there in the shade. Far from the red spotlight of desire. They're here to see me play a part I don't buy. They clap. They're having the time of their lives as my tears bring all the suffering to life. I've been fishing words since I was born. I swallow it all so I can spit out ceiling. No one's announced me on any billboard. A few months back, I was an ordinary girl. When I looked in the mirror, my heart went stone. Listen, my snake swallowed so much poison ivy. Poisonous poetry, I sweat poisonous poetry. From my pores, I sweat poisonous poetry. Nothing makes sense if I say it deliriously. Show's over, shower me with poisoned lilies. Poisonous poetry, I sweat poisonous poetry. From my pores I sweat poisonous poetry. Nothing makes sense if I say it. Deliriously shows over. Shower me with poisoned lilies. Today I want to sing out every wild thing. Postmodern feminist of eternal spring. Trying to live off art, though I don't really want to. I get lost in time, lost track of this age. Not everyone can break a leg on stage or wreck her voice. 
with bad acoustics in Guatemala with a shattered soul. They'd sooner bomb me than see me score a goal. To hell with criticisms of how I look. Don't want to smile all the time. I'll keep my bad moods. This low-budget hypocritical performance has no moral control, let alone hormonal. I choose they won't pay for this. They'll criticize because they didn't want this. They wanted to relax, not hear my inner conflict. To handle me, they'd better eat poison ivy, poisonous poetry. I sweat poisonous poetry. From my pores, I sweat poisonous poetry. Nothing makes sense if I poisonous poetry. I sweat poisonous poetry. From my pores, I sweat poisonous poetry. Nothing makes sense if I say it deliriously. Show's over. Shower me with poisoned lilies. Poisonous, poisonous poetry. Thank you all so much. It is such a thrill and honor to bring a little piece of Rebecca Lane um, to English, to the world, to you, to this book that I am really honored to have one tiny little drop in um, the great river of this brilliance, the brilliance um, from all over Latin America, really many rivers uh, pouring into one giant one um, of resistance, of poetry, of art. Um, as a you know, immigrant writer in the United States and as a Latin American writer, it's so inspiring to see all of these giants as well as you know, contemporary people who deserve um, more space and amplification side by side in this book, um, in this collection. There is no better time um, for us to have a book like this. Um, we need it so much. I know that we all know the many crises that we're all facing um, all over the world right now. Uh, with the pandemic, certainly in the United States, the political crisis that we're facing. And I'm in Oakland, California. City Lights is in San Francisco. I know that many of us are here in the Bay um, on the panel, but we're also all over. Um, thank you for coming and listening from all over the state, country, and world. Hello, Madrid. Hello, Brazil, everybody who has um, called in. Um, I am in a place where we can't breathe the air outside. Um, we are surrounded by smoke. The air is unbreathable. California is on fire. I am trying to educate my children at home, um, you know, huddled around air purifiers and care for my elder mother-in-law who lives with us and my wife. And we are looking, all of us are looking for places in the world where we can breathe, where we can have dignity, um, kindness, and peace and well-being. And that's what resistencia is ultimately about. Um, this is such a terrifying time, um, and yet it is also a time in which drawing on poetry like this is uh, so utterly essential. As I was thinking about this event happening in this week of all weeks when California is so very much on fire, I'm getting emails from students at San Francisco State University where I teach about, you know, where are we headed in this world? Um, one of the things I've been thinking about is something Audre Lorde, the late great Audre Lorde said about poetry, which is poetry is not only dream and vision, it is the skeleton architecture of our lives. It lays the foundations for a future of change, a bridge across our fears of what has never been before. And so my hope for, for each of us, for each of you, my hope for this book too, is that it can be part of that bridge and part of laying that foundation for the future of change that we need.
word by word by word. Thank you all so much. Thank you, uh, Carolina. Um, I, I hope everybody out there uh, can appreciate just how incredibly brilliant or just difficult a job it is to translate a song like that. If you look at the words, if you know Spanish, you'll see she kept the meaning, she kept the beat. And just if we talk about one of the other things about this book is that it is really um, a book of, I don't know what the wording is, uh, Tin House, Maisie Cochran was the one who believed in this book so much. She put it some way uh, that was just uh, really great, but that this book is about translation too and the art of translation. And to be able to convey the meaning, the rap, the beats in the song and um, with her voice. Um, this is gonna be on YouTube, this recording, City Lights Live, we'll be putting it up. So uh, the original poesy of Venosa has 2,500,000 views. I think now with Carolina, ours might get up there um, eventually. But uh, um, so thank you for everything, Carolina. Um, now we are going to go to Tina, the co-editor and really the visionary, the visionary behind this book. Um, she's gonna explain a little and then we're going to read, go back to 1922 and read Cesar Vallejo. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's an honor for me to be here with all of you presenting this creature of ours, Mark and, and, and my um, uh, project. It's been a journey, a very long, journey, and, uh, but a very successful one. Uh, listening to Carolina, I just get uh, so emotional because it really um, maintains um, a high level of uh, beauty and complexity and art. So because my, I have to say, my, my concentration over the many, many years uh, is being poetry written in Spanish. Um, primarily Latin America, that's my concentration also in terms of my research, but listening to these voices in, in English, these translations really make it to a higher heights. I really appreciated that. I loved it. Carolina and everyone else that were involved also in the translations. Mark did an splendid work. I, I, I've been working with Mark over the years and it's always a pleasure. I'm, I'm so humbled and I'm so emotional too. Um, that we were able to to work on this particular uh, project as well, among others. Um, Mark already explained uh, the genesis, in a way, of these projects. Uh, I mean, there is a very pragmatic, co pra pragmatic component, which is the fact that I've been teaching poetry for many, many years, and I was extremely frustrated and upset at the fact that I couldn't really find the right source, the right anthology, because I'm, I'm teaching to undergraduate students mostly. So I, when I use, I of course I use books of poems written by poets from Latin America and also from Spain, and particularly with resistencia components. Uh, but um, when looking for anthologies, I always had this situation of, of that um, uh, extraordinary um, imposition of the canon and the canon being white, being male, and being very specific uh, in terms of the, uh, of the um, scope. And uh, also as a feminist and doing research on feminist writers, I, I immediately I realized the fact that many, many amazing women writers 
powerful poets from Latin America and also from Spain um, were there from the very beginning, but they were completely obliterated eventually. So you could definitely find a, a, um, interesting and good, well-composed anthologies, some of them very canonical, very well-known, but not a single woman. With one exception, which is the token. The token is Gabriela Mistral, because there is no other way to go around Latin American poetry without naming the only, the first person ever getting a Nobel Prize in literature in the Americas, in Latin, in Latin America, excuse me. So with that exception, and always with a lot of um, uh, reticence on many uh, intellectuals, why uh, she got the Nobel Prize and not Borges and all these other intellectuals. So that was part of my frustration, but it didn't go there. It's not only an element of gender, but also um, other components of um, resistencia, resistance poetry, uh, not political, ecological, queer, um, among many others. So this was an opportunity for uh, Mark and I to provide that, to fill that gap, and that in very, very important gap. Um, young voices, voices of hip hop, rap, right? So, um, so it, 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 it wasn't easy. Uh, we all go, we kind of go against the rain, but that's the concept of resistance. You have, you have to go over, you have to resist the canon, that canon that is so well established with so canonical uh, male um, presentation of that canon. And uh, that was beautiful thing about Mark and I working on this and really being in, you know, uh, in tune with uh, this uh, project and for City Lights being the, the and, and um, Tin House being the editor and City Lights the distributor of such an important, such a dramatically important um, book of voices. Um, so um, I'm present, I, I'm using finally a book that I want, I feel like um, is, uh, is a reference uh, of course, this can be expanded, can be more complex in the future, but so far is, I believe, is the most, um, uh, the most inclusive um, um, uh, collection of, of poetry of Latin America in resistance that not only covers the traditional canonical voices, but also new voices from many spheres, for many themes of resistencia, uh, but also covers uh, authors that are from uh, areas that usually don't go together with the, 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 the general um, uh, perception of the Latin American literature canon are uh, in Spanish. So we have people from indigenous groups with indigenous voices. We have uh, Briceida Cueva, Cuevas uh, Cop, who is a Maya Yucatecan uh, in, in this book. We have um, Vichit Zacarias from Nicaragua, Misquito writing this, uh, uh, present in this, uh, in this book. But we also have poem, po poems from people from uh, Brazil, uh, from many other areas of Latin America that usually because of this uh, tendency to, to articulate like um, spaces and categories are not presented together. And that's so important right now in particular, but always to have voices of resistance as a way of uh, of, of being uh, provocative and to make us think, make us react. So uh, I'm very excited. I'm very, I'm very happy with this edition. 
I, I really appreciate and I thank Mark so much for being with me all together, both together in this so difficult journey. It's very hard to get all these poets together. It's very hard to get all these translators together. It's very hard to get all these permissions together. Mark is a magician. He made it happen. So that's extraordinary, Mark. I'm so happy for that. And that this made possible to be in the bookstores of the United States. Uh, hopefully my, my vision in, and my hope is that we'll be able to offer this in Spanish as well. Uh, so that will be a different kind of animal, a different kind of creature. Uh, but that's also my hope. So, so again, thank you all of you for being here today in this, um, you know, this, this lanzamiento, this presentation of this, of this, what I think is a fabulous book. Uh, my students are enjoying this book. We are going through all the different, we are mixing together these authors with the context of po a politics in Latin America that are, as you know, politics in Latin America has been always a, a very um, painful process. Um, because of that, it's important to, to present the voices of the poets being the translators, the, the mediators of that reality that affect us because also the United States is very much involved in, in the tragedy of many uh, Latin American countries. So, um, so that's kind of the idea in general, you know, again, um, I think Mark already said that um, we've been collaborating over the years and it was an opportunity and a vision and, a, and I hope that this was going to be possible and it was uh, thanks to Tin House and to all of you that are interested in, in reading and enjoying this, this, this book. Huh? So I'm going to read now, we are going to, to talk, we are going to read, Mark and I, we're going to read one of the canonical, the most canonical figures in Latin America, Resistance, uh, extraordinary poet from Peru, Cesar Vallejo. And I hope that this, there is a resonance right there. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a claim of solidarity and peace that we all need. Oh. Um, so I'm going to read in Spanish the original version of Masa by César Vallejo. Al fin de la batalla, y muerto ya el combatiente, vino hacia él un hombre y le dijo, no mueras, te amo tanto. Pero el cadáver ahí siguió muriendo. Se le acercaron dos y repitiéronle, no nos dejes, valor, vuelve a la vida. Pero el cadáver, ¡ay! siguió muriendo. Acudieron a él veinte, cien, mil, quinientos mil clamando, ¿tanto amor y no poder nada contra la muerte? Pero el cadáver, ¡ay! siguió muriendo. Le rodearon millones de individuos, con un ruego común, quédate hermano, pero el cadáver ahí siguió muriendo. Entonces, todos los hombres de la tierra le rodearon, les vio el cadáver triste, emocionado, incorporóse lentamente, abrazó al primer hombre, echóse a andar. At the end of the battle, the combatant dead, a man approached him said to him, don't die, I love you so much. But the corpse, alas, 
kept on dying. Two more came up to him and repeated, don't leave us, be brave, come back to life. But the corpse, alas, kept on dying. 20, 100, 1,000, 500,000 appeared, crying out so much love and no power against death. But the corpse, alas, kept on dying. Millions of individuals surrounded him with a common plea, don't leave us, brother. But the corpse, alas, kept on dying. Then all the inhabitants of the earth surrounded him. The corpse looked at them, sadly, deeply moved. He got up slowly, embraced the first man, started to walk. I want to say that uh, translation is by the great Michigan poet and translator and so much more, Clayton Eshelman. Every other poem that you're going to hear tonight, the translator is reading their actual, their own translation, just like Carolina did. Wow. Now we are going to Barbara Paschke y Romina Fuentes. Barbara is a, um, is a city lights veteran. Um, I should told me last night, I forgot exactly, you can correct me, whether it's five or six uh, <laughs> City Lights books you've been involved in. And it's actually amazing, and, and I hope she talks a little bit about this. Um, another thing about City Lights, and, and that you talking earlier, uh, when I was still trying to get everything together, so it's a little emotional, but um, City Lights and Tin House being um, publishers of resistance poetry back in, I think it was like 1984, um, when Vulcan came out, um, correct me, or just around then, um, 1982, and so we're, so we do the math, 20 yeah. years late, two decades later, <laughs> and uh, here we are. Uh, that concentrated really on Central America, um, but Barbara is just a literary activist, um, and in so many ways in translator. I actually met her, I think, first at the American Literary Translation Translators Association meeting back in like 2001 or so. Um, and she is a leader in that area in so many ways. And uh, going to introduce Romina, who's going to read uh, the translations because it's going to go from Barbara. Barbara's going to first read in just in English and then um, and then they're going to both read. So I'll introduce Romina now so I don't have to inter intercede. Um, uh, uh, this is just a moment of so much love. And in terms of love, actually, we met at um, a festival here. We're, in, again, we're in Mexico City right now, me and Kira. And we met at a festival run by Alvaro Mataguille. It's the Festival International de Poesia in El Lugar de los Escudos. And uh, there were like 10 or 15 poets from around the Americas most of whom who flew themselves like Romina on their own dime to be here. We went to this, um, it's just spectacular. I'll try to get a link so that we can put some videos up of that thing. But we went to a, um, not thing, um, phenomenon of that festival and all the people involved. And with Alberto's, uh, Alvaro's uh, leadership, we went to a, um, a community near here. Um, town, city, community called Chimahuacan, and um, it's not exactly the the most developed um, community 
And this was really just an act of an amazing act. And again, without the pictures, and it can do no justice. And so I will put up a link uh, or something if you go to redpoppy.net um, to get some videos, because there's no way you can do it. But it was really just a bringing poetry to this whole Pueblo. Um, and in a way that was just, just the interaction, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to explain. I'm kind of at a loss of words right now um, because uh, yeah, also I'll stop there and let Barbara talk. <laughs> well, it's, um, yeah, it's really great to be here. It, it just, uh, it seems like just keeping it going. Um, I think we, we put together Volcan in 1980, 81, 82, and it was like just this amazing, you know, collection of, of, political poetry from Central America, because so much was going on then, I mean, El Salvador and, and so forth. And, um, and then we did a book on Otto René Castillo and um, translations and Roque Dalton, of course. So yeah, it's just been an ongoing thing. And, and it's, it's, so, it's so wonderful to be part of this, this book as well. And it seems like eh, things have changed, but have they really? I, you know, we still need this so much and it's um i'm just very happy to to be to be part of this and and keep the go keep it going because it's so important keep the poetry going keep the activism resistencia and all of it as we need it so without further ado the first thing i'm going to read is by jose leonel Rugama. He was a Nicaraguan poet. He joined the Sandinistas when he was about 18 years old. And um, unfortunately, didn't, he died when he was about 21. But um, he, he really made a big impact, um, both in Nicaragua and uh, outside with his work. And this, I'm just going to read the English. This is the, called The Earth is a Satellite of the Moon. Apollo 2 cost more than Apollo 1. Apollo 1 cost plenty. Apollo 3 cost more than Apollo 2. Apollo 2 cost more than Apollo 1. Apollo 1 cost plenty. Apollo 4 cost more than Apollo 3. Apollo 3 cost more than Apollo 2. Apollo 2 cost more than Apollo 1. Apollo 1 cost plenty. Apollo cost a heap, but no one cared because the astronauts were Protestants and they read the Bible from the moon, astounding and exhilarating all Christians. And upon their return, Pope Paul VI gave them his blessing. Apollo 9 cost more than all of them put together, along with Apollo 1 that cost plenty. The great-great-grandparents of the Aqualink Akawalinka people were less hungry than the grandparents. The great-grandparents died from hunger. The grandparents of the Akawalinka people were less hungry than the parents. The grandparents died from hunger. The parents of the Akawalinka people were less hungry than the children of the people from there. The parents died from hunger. The Akawalinka people were less hungry than the children of the people from there. The children of the Akawalinka people were not born because of hunger and were hungry to be born to die from hunger. Blessed are the poor, 
for they shall inherit the moon. The, um, by the way, the Akwalinka people lived on the on Lake Managua, I believe, in the southern part of it, and they um, they disappeared, extinguished extinction, possibly from hunger, possibly from you know, but they're gone, the Akwalinka. So, shall we, Rorina? Do you want to? I will be reading uh, Rodas and Alfonsina Storni. Tú me quieres alba, me quieres de espumas, me quieres de nácar. Que sea azucena, sobre todas, casta. De perfume tenue, corola cerrada. Ni un rayo de luna filtrado me haya, ni una margarita se dio a mi hermana. Tú me quieres nibia, tú me quieres blanca, tú me quieres alba. Tú, que viste todas las copas a mano, de frutos y mieles los labios morados. Tú, que en el banquete cubierto de pampa nos dejaste las carnes festejando a Baco. Tú que en los jardines negros del engaño, vestido de rojo, corriste al estrago. Tú, que el esqueleto conservas intacto, no sé todavía por cuáles milagros. Me pretendes blanca, Dios te perdone. Me pretendes casta, Dios te perdone. Me pretendes alba. Huye a los bosques, vete a la montaña, límpiate la boca, vive en las cabañas, toca con las manos la tierra mojada, alimenta el cuerpo con raíz amarga, bebe de las rocas, duerme sobre escarcha, renueva tejidos con salitre y agua, Habla con los pájaros y lávate al alba. Y cuando las carnes te sean tornadas y cuando hayas puesto en ellas el alma que por las alcobas se quedó enredada, entonces, buen hombre, preténdeme blanca, preténdeme nibia, preténdeme casta. You want me white. You want me white, like sea foam you want me, like mother of pearl, that I be a lily chased above all lilies, a delicate perfume, clothes, corolla. No moonbeam has passed through me. No daisy calls herself my sister. You want me snow. You want me white. You want me dawn. You, who have all the cups at hand, lips purple from honey and fruit. You, with the banquet covered with vines, abandoned your flesh, celebrating Bacchus. You, who in the black gardens of deceit, dressed in red, spread havoc. 
You, whose skeleton remains intact, by what miracles I still don't know. You desire me white, God forgive you. You desire me chaste, God forgive you. You desire me dawn. Flee to the forest, go to the mountains, cleanse your mouth, live in a hut. Touch with your hands the damp earth. Feed your body with bitter roots. Drink from the sleep on frost. Renew your toes with saltpeter and water. Speak with the birds and arise at dawn. And when your flesh has been transformed, and when into it you've put your soul, which in bedrooms remained entangled, then, good man, ask me to be white. Ask me to be snow. Ask me to be chaste. I'm going to read um, the Spanish for Ana Maria Rodas. Um, the poem is called Chaste. Well, in the Guatemalan version, would be something like Yase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Chaste. Okay. Um, Yase. Nunca voy a ser más que una guerrillera del amor. Estoy situada algo así como a la izquierda erótica. Soltando bala tras bala contra el sistema, perdiendo fuerza y tiempo en predicar un evangelio trasnochado. Voy a terminar como aquel otro loco que se quedó tirado en la sierra. Pero como mi lucha no es política que sirva a los hombres, jamás publicarán mi diario, ni construirán industrias de consumo popular, de carteles y colgajos con mi fotografía. I know. I know I'll never be more than a warrior for love. I'm situated somewhere on the erotic left, lobbing bullet after bullet against the system, losing power and time by preaching an outdated gospel. I'm going to end up like that other crazy one who was left discarded in the mountains. But since my struggle is not a politics that serves men, they will never publish my diary, nor build industries for popular consumption of posters and pendants with my photo. Thank you, <laughs> both of you. Uh, thank you all. Yes, thank you all so much. And um, uh, Rowena said something about me being nervous. I'll, I'll admit that uh, kind of emotion and everything um, and trying to express some of this stuff because it's just so big um, and have doing a little, but it's also because Kira here has been kicking me in the legs all the time after each poem. So um, we'll get her back when, I'll get her back when she reads, which is coming up right after um, this next video, uh, break it up a little, which is something we filmed in 2010 I don't know if Elena is still here, but it's basically right outside the door where 
she was in the City Lights reading in the City Lights poetry room. And it features Jack Hirschman, who actually couldn't be here tonight uh, because he's being awarded um, a very prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award from the Northern, Barbara, can you exactly, what, what's the Northern California Society? Well, J Jack's getting a big award and we're gonna watch him right now. And this is more, um, first of all, this is not about Neruda, it's actually one thing that's really not, it's, it's a, from um, working on a clip on Neruda, filming for an interview about Neruda, but I'm showing it not because of Neruda, but about what you're about to see other than Neruda. He was the great poet, the one who named the things of the 20th century. Do you feel that he is the great namer of all? Neruda, yeah. yeah he really is the one who puts the name to Followed the at some distance by Ernesto Cardinal. Yes. Ernesto, I must say you look a bit like him today. You know, I was sitting over there. My oh, let me tell the story. When Ernesto came here about a month before the Cuban uh, insurrection started, he wanted to go to the Army-Navy store. He went to the Army-Navy store. He bought a dozen berets. I should have known something was up. <laughs> he was a guy who was always involved with experiment. Uh, I mean, what could be more experimental than a guy writing a poem to a piece of celery uh, or a tomato? The whole poem is based on a tomato. That's an incredible... It's an incredibly experimental thing to do, contentually wise. But he also wrote the poem in a very experimental way. With a political undertone. About yes, of course, with political, because it, it all was political. You mean he threw the tomato? <laughs> <laughs> Allen Ginsberg and I took our first trip out of the country as poets in earlier in 1959 to... Um, uh, an international literary convention in Concepcion, southern Chile. And um, it was a, a, a conference organized by the Communist Party. Uh, we didn't know we had been invited by the Communist Party till after we got there. It happened that Fernando Alegria, who had invited us personally in San Francisco, was had a brother who was a functionary in the Communist Party in Chile, and that's how it happened. And so when we were in, in Concepcion, we were taken one day, uh, many of the delegates from all over the world were taken down to the coast, to the mining town of Lotat, L-O-T-A, where they were undersea mines, and they timed it so that we would be there just when the miners came up uh, in, in elevators out of the ground from undersea. And uh, so the, the miners came up in these, in these sort of cage, caged elevators and they were all uh, covered in black with coal dust and soot. And the, the, the press stuck the, their microphones in our faces and says, well, what do you think of that? These miners get, uh, they've been underground for 10 hours and they get a dollar a day. What do you think of all that? So everyone, of course, expressed their shock and, and uh, made big headlines in the press the next day what all the international literary figures had said. They sent out the 
conference sent out a questionnaire to all the delegates asking them a whole series of questions about the conference, such as what was uh, the most the most important event to you at this conference, and uh, I answered the, the miners in their cages at Lota. Uh, the next question was, uh, what do you think was the most important theme that was broached, discussed at the conference? And I said, the miners in their cages at Lota. And so there's about 15 questions. I had the same answer for all of them. And it was published in the, with all the other people's responses in the big daily in Santiago. Okay, so that was a little, the legendary Lawrence Ferlinghetti who started City Lights um, and Jack Hirschman, such a part of City Lights and such a part of resistance poetry. Um, he was also a part of uh, Volcan. Um, now we are going to go to our last two uh, readers. Um, Jessica Powell is one of the, first of all, she has <laughs> the greatest new puppy you could ever see, but um, she is one of the greatest friends you can have. I think that's, again, instead of naming books and stuff, um, but she's also one of the, I mean, everybody here uh, in such a combination of intellect and creative creativity. Um, we've worked on a lot of projects together. She's um, just an amazing person. And I feel so fortunate that we have her, um, uh, I have her as, as a friend as I do all of these. She also, some people we've been mentioning, um, Venture of the Infinite Man. Um, she's actually the one who did this um, free fall through the consciousness. It's one of the most difficult translations you could ever do. I just did the introduction um, and we kind of came up with it all together. Uh, but Jessica did the translation. Definitely would suggest checking this out. And this is um, one of Pablo Neruda's first books published by City Lights. And next is Kira Galvan, who's right here. And we're going to do a very uh, um, uh, dexterous uh, a move in a second. Uh, when I first talked to somebody, um, uh, who's actually in the, in the crowd right now, but um, I mentioned, you know, working with Kira, she said, oh my God, she's a fine, this is a Mexican um, poet who's in the stage right now. She's like, Kira, she's an um, icon of Mexican um, feminist poetry. And she really is. And Justina and I were just talking about how um, Tina's been teaching her for, for years. And so here she is with Jessica. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Um, well, firstly, I want to say that uh, I want to thank uh, Mark so much for um, uh, taking me into account of this project and being part of this uh, anthology, Resistencia, uh, and share with all these magnificent poets of Latin America, and um, of course being here together with, uh, with you <laughs> this afternoon. Uh, well, I think I'm going to read uh, I, the Spanish version, version of uh, Rosario Castellanos, uh, which uh, I think she 
she was uh, the literary uh, heiress of Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, um, and that she was not only a poet and novelist, but she also was um, a teacher, a journalist, uh, and at the end of her life also a state ambassador. And is um, her, um, her work is immense and uh, we should uh, all of us uh, read her. Uh, and so I, I read it, I'm going to read the poem. Silencio cerca de una piedra antigua. Estoy aquí sentada con todas mis palabras como con una cesta de fruta verde intactas. Los fragmentos de mil dioses antiguos derribados se buscan por mi sangre, se aprisionan queriendo recomponer su estatua. De las bocas destruidas Quiere subir hasta mi boca un canto, un olor de resinas quemadas, algún gesto de misteriosa roca trabajada. Pero soy el olvido, la traición, el caracol que no guardó del mar ni el eco de la más pequeña ola. Y no miro los templos sumergidos, solo miro los árboles que encima de las ruinas Mueven su vasta sombra, muerden con dientes ácidos el viento cuando pasa. Y los signos se cierran bajo mis ojos como la flor bajo los dedos torpísimos de un ciego. Pero yo sé, detrás de mi cuerpo otro cuerpo se agazapa y alrededor de mí muchas respiraciones cruzan furtivamente como los animales nocturnos en la selva. Yo sé, en algún lugar, lo mismo que en el desierto, el cactus, un constelado corazón de espinas está aguardando un hombre, como el cactus, la lluvia. Pero yo no conozco más que ciertas palabras en el idioma o lápida bajo el que sepultaron vivo, Silence near an ancient stone. Here I sit with all my words untouched, like a basket of unripe fruit. The fragments of a thousand ancient toppled gods seek themselves in my blood, bind themselves, wishing to regain their stature. From their destroyed mouths, a song tries to rise to my own mouth. The smell of burned resins, some vis visage in a mysterious carved rock. But I am oblivion, betrayal, the shell that didn't retain from the sea even the echo of the smallest wave. I do not look at the submerged temples. I look only at the trees that move their vast shadows atop the ruins, bite the passing wind with their acid teeth and the symbols close up beneath my eyes like a flower beneath a blind man's clumsy fingers. But I know, behind my body, another body crouches, and all around me, many breaths cross paths furtively like nocturnal jungle animals. I know, somewhere, 
Just like the cactus in the desert, a starry heart of thorns awaits a man as the cactus awaits rain. But I don't know more than a few words of the language on the stone under which they buried my ancestor alive. Well, now I am going to read my own poem, Las Apariciones Rutinarias del Sol. Todo aquí reside en lavar el otro lado de la estufa y recordar a la abuela Rosa Cruz, su baraja española, su afición a Loxan Rampa y su arte adivinatorio en esta casa llena de noche y sal de ajo. Aquí estoy para limpiar el piso los sábados por la mañana y olvidarme del amanecer. No hemos hablado de las apariciones rutinarias del sol, cuando a las mujeres todo se nos hace añicos porque el sol se nos hunde y nadie nos enseña a gritar porque somos el naufragio de nuestro único cuerpo lleno de vida y de ignorancia por vivirla. Muchas gracias. And I'll read my translation of Kira's poem. The routine appearances of the sun. Everything here resides in cleaning the other side of the stove and reminding the Rosicrucian grandmother of her Spanish deck, of her fondness for Lopsang Rampa and of her gift for divination in this house filled with night and garlic salt. I am here to clean the floor on Saturday mornings and to forget about the dawn. We have not spoken of the routine appearances of the sun when for us women, everything falls to pieces because the sun sinks away on us and no one teaches us to scream because we are the shipwreck of our one and only body full of life and the ignorance of living it. Thank you. What an honor, Kira. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Um, thank you both of you and everybody. Uh, we're going to close this out now, Tina and myself. Um, I do want to mention if you're going to buy this book, please right now do it through City Lights to support them and everything they've done to host tonight and everything they do every day since I think 1956. Um, tomorrow, speaking of, or yeah, speaking of feminist poetry, um, as part of the Utah uh, Book Festival in October, we're going to have a program where Kira is going to be involved along with four, three or four other uh, Mexican women poet, poets. Um, so if you want to check out redpoppy.net, there's an events thing and the dates on there and you can uh, register and then get the date later. And tomorrow we are going to be in Brooklyn, taking the red eye from San Francisco and at Books Are Magic, myself, Tina, Carlos Ayahuasca, and uh, the Eater Novi, um, and a special event with the Brooklyn Bridge Conservancy, Garden Park Conservancy, um, talking about uh, protests in public space and in um, the bridge. And so we're going to um, close this out, you know, myself, with a poem that a lot of people have been talking about how resonant it is. Uh, it's by Giacomo Beji and a great Nicaraguan poet, legendary. Um, still resonating in her work and um, her writing that she keeps doing. 
the, the talk about how it's resonating right now and the whole resistance, um, how it keeps, you know, everybody's like, we need this book right now. And I'm not <laughs> disagreeing by any means, but it's, that's the thing about this hundred years of in this book is it's a hundred years of people writing in resistance to, you know, a whole range and array of different themes. And as one example, when I was working on this translation, kind of um, editing it with Jessica's help actually, was last September, um, the poem is called Strike. And it was right when the Chilean protests um, were happening. And I was just, I was, um, I lived in Chile and don't need a reason to, but just very uh, swept up in that. And to be reading this, we're working on this poem called Strike from you know, decades ago. And then they were calling for a general strike. And now we're gonna read it now and everybody, I've even seen in the comments, somebody even called out for it. So uh, Tina, if you wanna start. I have to say that before reading this poem that it's been a pleasure to be here with you and to listen to these voices. You have to perhaps understand that I've been like embodying these poems for years and to listen to them is really cathartic and to listen to them from their own voices too, like Kira Galvan, who were teaching, I was teaching Kira and this particular poem last Tuesday. So it's very emotional for me. So thank you, Kira. And thank all of you. It's been beautiful. Uh, and you can see all of you, you can listen to all these amazing women's voices. This is also the canon, don't forget. And that's what it makes absolutely beautiful. Huh? And contracts a little bit the way that we think of poetry in Latin America as well. So um, I love this poem. I think it's a great poem to finish this, this wonderful conversation and community moment, because I want you to think of the last line in terms of the coming election. Huelga. Quiero una huelga donde vayamos todos. Una huelga de brazos, de piernas, de cabellos. Una huelga, una, perdón, una huelga naciendo de cada cuerpo. Quiero una huelga de obreros, de palomas, de choferes, de flores, de técnicos, de niños, de médicos, de mujeres. Quiero una huelga grande que hasta el amor alcance. Una huelga donde todo se detenga. El reloj, las fábricas, el plantel, los colegios, el bus, los hospitales, la carretera, los puertos. Una huelga de ojos, de manos y de besos. Una huelga donde respirar no sea permitido. Una huelga donde nazca el silencio para oír los pasos del tirano que se marcha. Thank you. I want a strike where we all walk out. A strike of arms, of legs, of hair. A strike born from everybody. I want a strike of workers, of doves, of drivers, of flowers of technicians, of children, of doctors, of women. I want a giant strike that extends even to love. 
a strike that brings everything to a halt. The clock, the factories, the yard, the school, the bus, the hospital, the highway, the ports. A strike of eyes, of hands, and of kisses. A strike where it is forbidden to breathe. A strike where silence is born so you can hear the footsteps of the tyrant as he walks away this coming January. So thank you. I didn't even know Tina was gonna mention that about the end, but uh, um, thank you all so much. Thank you, Tin House. Thank you, City Lights. Um, somebody just mentioned about, asked about the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, redpoppy.net, I'm sorry, Brooklyn, just go to Books Are Magic. They have all the information. Um, and thank you. And I'll turn it over to Peter. And again, um, thank you. So uh, we do have time for questions. I mean, if you would like to post them in the chat function, I am happy to, you know, read them off. Uh, I have one to start with. And, and really, if you could kind of chart, how did this project start? I mean, could you create a trajectory for us in terms of, you know, what the steps were along the way to kind of come to this point? I mean, because it's, it's, it's really, it's pretty impressive. Um. I think we talked a little bit about the genesis, how this happened. Uh, one of the initial ideas was because I wanted to offer this opportunity of my, to my students, but in general, of, of having a collection of voices that break the canonical uh, element that tends to be male, tends to be white, tends to be very, um, uh, very specific. And I, I questioned that. So, so Mark and I, we've been working on different projects over the years and we started, you know, with, with this idea and I was already collecting these poems for my own students. So it was a matter of, of energy and time and putting all together to make it available to everyone, not only to my students. So I think that goes around what you're saying. And just one thing to, to build on that, we started this, I, you know, I just kind of vaguely remember a phone call or a discussion or something, but that was 2012. And I'm not talking about like how long this has been, but again, this whole thing about resistance, if that was 2012, that was before Trump and everything, and resistance became kind of the mantra. And now we're here now, so. No questions, everybody? Comment? We've got a lot of comments. I mean, it's obvious that, that people have been pretty deeply moved by this. Um, this wonderful event. Um, you know, if, if we don't, and I'm going to say maybe this is a good place for us to say thank you. Um, and I just feel so honored that we could work with Red Poppy Art House, which is such a great community resource. And I encourage everybody to kind of go to the website. It's uh, redpoppyarthouse.org. Support them if you're able. I mean, they're really one of the great local cultural treasures that we have here um, in the Bay Area. Also, a big shout out to Tin House Books and Molly Templeton for all of her efforts in, in making today's event uh, a reality. Um, and then, you know, thank all of you in the audience for being here with us. Um, please do purchase copies of Resistencia through the links that uh, we've posted in the chat function. Um, it helps keep City Lights afloat. Uh, we're an indie. Uh, all indies are struggling right now. So 
with each book sale, I mean, it just brings us closer to continuing our mission. So uh, we are going to be rebroadcasting this event on YouTube. Um, we're going to be posting the address on our social media pages, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So uh, if you want to be able to kind of forward that to somebody who couldn't make uh, tonight, um, let me take a last glance at the chat function and see if there's any, any last uh, kind of little questions or statements, no? Well, listen, I will then say thank you all. Um, Mark, Tina, everybody, this has been such a wonderful program. Thank you all for coming and being here. I hope you all stay safe, stay well, and uh, looking forward to more projects from everybody. Be well. Thank you, Peter. Viva City Lights, Viva Tin House. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much to everyone. Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.